We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. My very special guest today is a woman, Kimmy Werner, who is an inspiration to so many around the world. She calls herself a free-diving underwater huntress and a lover of nature and food and our connection to both. And she has been exploring this world with her heart for a very long time. Kimmy, welcome to Leading Conversations. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited to have you and introduce you to our our listeners. Uh, so where are you today? I, um, I was in New York a couple of days ago, but I just got back home, and so... I am on the north shore of Oahu in a little town called Wailua. Ah, nice. Very nice. So you live there, right? I do. This is my home yeah. base. Nice. So, so let's talk a bit about um, your growing up years. You know, I know that um, you grew up in Hawaii. Was Oahu the island you grew up on? You know, I actually grew up on the island of Maui. Um, I grew up in the little rainy town of Haiku, and um, and just in a, a tiny little, tiny little shack with my parents and my siblings. A tiny little shack. So, what what constitutes a tiny little shack? <laughs> well, I mean, let's just say that. It, my house would, would change colors, and not because we would repaint it, but because it was so old and made of rotten wood that <laughs> depending on what type of mosses and molds were growing on it, um, it was constantly changing. It, oh, um, wow. you know, it, it was not what most people would consider a desirable home. There were often centipedes and rats, you know, coming in on those rainy days, and um, oh, and I shared I shared a bedroom with both my brother and my sister. Um, wow. And, and, you know, soon after we moved out, it was deemed unlivable and was torn down. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but it was, it was a tiny, tiny little um, mildew wood shack with a patchwork of, of tin roofs that, that constantly leaked. I mean, I know that one of my favorite jobs was at night after my mom did the cooking it was my job to then take the same pots that she used to make dinner and place them around the house to catch the drips of our loud and leaky tin roof. And I just, I love that job because I knew which leaks were big and which were small and what pots went where. And there was a perfect pot for every little spot. And, um, and so, you know, in, in all of this, I think the whole reason why this house was so magical to me um, was because I was, we were so isolated. We didn't have neighbors. I didn't have friends. And I, I didn't know society mm. yet. So I didn't know that these things were what made us poor. I, I really just mm. knew that I had my family and I had a house surrounded by nature and adventure. And, and I was happy. 
that's so great. Well, and you know, that's a really good point that uh, when we're not exposed to what's going on in the rest of the world, um, we don't know that we're supposed to want something else or that there's another possibility. And I know you talk a lot about um, the values that you grew up with and the importance of your family to you. Do you think that that shaped you as an adult? I definitely think that that shaped me as an adult. I think that those early years, really ingrained some values into me that, um, that stuck with me for the rest of my life. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just, I, we learned never to waste and never to take things for granted. Um, mm. how to spend such quality time together as a family. A lot of that was spent gathering food, you know, from the plants around us or, or from the animals we raised. Um, you know, we had chickens that would lay eggs under our house every morning or even mm-hmm. where my dad would go spearfishing to put food on the table. And, um, mm. and so I think some of the main values that I learned were just um, how, to, how to take care of nature, not take too much, not be too greedy, but also how to let nature take care of us and to know how to harvest from it in a responsible and respectful way. Mm. I know that that issue of taking care of nature is one of your big passions and a lot of what you do these days is help other people understand that. And I want to talk a bit about how you really developed, you know, other than in addition to your childhood, how you really developed this relationship with nature. Um, You know, a lot of people who know of you think of you as that woman who rode the back of a shark and, um, you know, kind of like, what, what is that? And you also moved into spearfishing and you became the United States national spearfishing champion. Um, but there are other things about you. You know, you went to culinary school and you're an award-winning artist and you speak all over the world in it such an inspirational way. When I heard you speak recently, I was so, I was moved to tears and so were so many people um, in the audience. It was not only inspiring, but it was really pointed to your courage of the things that you've done. Um, You know, people are interested in you. Um, Discovery Channel did a um, part or did a show, uh, Pacific Warriors, about extreme fishing. Um, National Geographic has uh, done a special about you, uh, Living Free with Kimmy Werner. Uh, you know, you've got sponsors who are helping to support you as you explore more of the ocean and turn it into really an educational opportunity for people who are interested to know more. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me that you have really stayed with this. You know, I can imagine that there is somewhere in your life, there must have been some pressure to, quote, get a real job. <laughs> or, oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, or or do something that you know you can fall back on. <laughs> all those all those yeah. phrases, right? Um, so, what has what allowed you 
to stay connected to your heart and what it is you really want to do? Well, I mean, so so the crushers definitely, um, you know, kind of came constantly, and and it just seemed like everybody was always offering advice <laughs> whether or not I was asking yeah. for it. And most of that advice always consisted of, um, mm. you know, go go get a real job or a more secure job. Um, and, and I think what, what just made me stick to my guts, I mean, I think part of it was just maybe was just being kind of stubborn and and not really liking what I was hearing and maybe not wanting to totally you know, buy into this idea that if we don't follow, you know, this cookie cutter path that, you know, that, that we just are are kind of told we're supposed to, that it's just never yeah. going to work out, you know. And, um, and, and uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily um, young, you know, either when it comes to people trying to, trying to get a start at um at that type of career when it came to sponsorships or anything like that because mm-hmm. I you know, I had won the national championships when I was twenty eight and so I was probably, you know, about thirty when when people were saying, Okay, you know, that was fun. Now what are you gonna do? Um <laughs> and I think there was another part of me that as a woman I just didn't really appreciate you know, because a lot of people would say, like, Oh yeah, that's cool and I know that you you got to start at it, but now that you're slipping out of your prime, you're really going to have to start to look for something else. And and I really <laughs> did not appreciate just the fact that as women, you know, there seems to just be this like expiration date stamped on us mm. of when we age out of certain certain dreams right. or certain industries. Right. And and that didn't that wasn't something I wanted to buy into. And so yeah. I think that in a way, all those pressures almost help me define my preferences and make me realize like, well, then that's exactly why I wanted this. You know, that's mm-hmm. exactly um, why I'm going to keep putting myself out there and keep chasing these dreams and, and whatnot is because, um, it's because I don't believe that there has to be an expiration date on it. I love the way you say that. Um, and it, it's really true, you know, and I think that part of the challenge for women today who have worked really hard to move into the typical um, corporate work or, you know, some sort of trade work that in the past, in past years, has been traditionally male-dominated, you know, they get in there and we have, we both know that there are so many who, after years of being in there, kind of look at themselves and say, is this really what I want to do? Is this all there is? And there is a yearning to do something that's more aligned with their heart and, you know, their being. And I'm wondering, you know, if you do, um, you know, when you are out speaking and, you know, when people come to you for advice, um, you know, what is it like what, what experiences do you have with people like this? What do they tell you? Well, I mean, I, I also think, yeah, whether a man or a woman, um, we all have we all have dreams and we all have passions, and I think that there's always 
there's always something or some place or some activity that when we do it, maybe we feel totally present and we feel the most like mm. our self or we just feel our inner being just singing, you know, and I, I don't think mm. that we're, we're, we're taught to follow that enough. And, um, and so I guess, when it comes to when it comes to advice, I think I just really try and and surround myself with people who at least are, are chasing their dreams or who at least are always constantly trying to dip their toes into their passion. And it can be different for for everyone, you know. Um, a lot of people, you know, will keep their passions as a hobby, and that's fine as long as it's feeding them the happiness that they deserve. That's great. And I think others have found ways to truly turn their passions into careers and and then there's always going to be a juggle and a balance from there of how to keep pushing and making a livelihood out of it without crushing your own passion. Um, and so, so I think the, you know, case to case, it, it's different with everyone. But I think what I see the most is that the people who are continuing to succeed with happiness um, are the ones who are always open to reevaluating their path, to examining their choices and why they're doing it, and um, and to evolving with that, you know, even when it's scary or maybe especially when it's scary. Mm. So it, it sounds like, you know, you are encouraging people to not just follow one thing, but to be open to how they may... Um, evolve as a person and explore, continue to explore what they're about and what's possible for them. Is that right? I think so. I mean, I, I think that as long as, as, as long as you can constantly know that, you know, you are examining these choices and the level of happiness that you're getting out of things um, and you are, understanding, you know, the value of, of your own joy and making room mm. for it, I do think that um, things will will evolve, you know. I Sometimes it's, I think it's when we try and, like, squeeze things into, you know, a really, really tightly constructed path with no room for growth um, because it mm. feels safer. That's really one of the more dangerous things we can do. Sure, yeah. Well, and, you know, it wasn't always easy for you. Um, you know, there were even for you who was who were you were doing what you really wanted, what gave you satisfaction, and um, and there were times when it became challenging, and you had to question yourself, and. You know, which I think is important for people to understand that you know there there's not necessarily a straight line. You know your oh, yeah. your conversation right your conversation about continuing continuing to reevaluate you know where you are and what's possible really played out here. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, okay. we're going to hear your story about that. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
is your business running? It should be running smoothly with nary a hiccup, like a finely tuned machine. But if you're like most businesses, yours may be running nowhere close to that. Listen for Operationally Speaking with your host, Serju Samel. Our program will help you to run your entrepreneurial business easier, better, with less frustration. And by running it well, you're sure to be poised for faster growth. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito and my very special guest, Kimmy Warner. And Kimmy, we were talking last segment about um, you know really doing what your heart how, what your heart is speaking to you. And it the story sounds like wow, you know, just choose it and go for it, and life will be so much better. And you know, than if you are doing what everybody else is saying you should do. And what I know is that it wasn't always easy for you. That even as you had, right, even as you moved into, you were doing what you wanted to do. And, you know, at some point, things kind of took a detour. So tell us about that. Sure. Um, So I I had won the national championships. In 2008, so this is the national championships of free diving, spearfishing, and um, and that that got me a lot of, of recognition. When I came back to Hawaii, I was kind of celebrated like a hero, and you know, I started getting on the covers of magazines and on TV, and um, and that was wonderful. Like it, it made me feel so good just to have other people finally on board and celebrating these crazy dreams that I had. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and it helped me financially too, because I was just a starving artist at the time trying to, you know, make things work. And <laughs> the more that my name got out there and the more that there was a spotlight on me, um, the more that my art sold. And so, so that was really helpful. Um, and I was so grateful for for all of this, and so I kept going with it, and I kept competing, and I started getting to compete internationally, and and I kept winning. Um, but after about a year and a half of that, I realized that I wasn't that happy anymore. Um, you know that mm-hmm. something something was tugging at me, and 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 I wasn't quite feeling the same joy. In fact, um, 
Yeah, it was almost the opposite of joy. I was just constantly um, measuring myself and and mm. putting a lot of pressure on myself and to the point where it was sucking the joy right out of things. And even when mm. I just went for, you know, a little swim in my own in my own home, you know, my home waters, just to go get dinner and put food on the table, um, my brain was no longer present in the ocean. In fact, my brain could not even look at fish anymore without saying, oh, how many points would that fish be worth or how many would that be worth? And it started to drive Mm. me crazy. And I just realized that this is not why I got into free diving and this is not why I got into spear fishing. You know, I got into it for those same values we talked about earlier of just wanting to understand where my food came from and pay respect to that, wanting to, Mm. you know, harvest from the environment in a respectful way and help take care of it. And it was never about trophies. That's not why I learned it. That's not why I got into it. And now I was in a place in my life where that's the only thing it was about. Um, Mm. I started to feel very empty inside and, and I just, I realized that, you know, this, this passion of mine, this joy that it brought me, I I couldn't afford to lose it. And, And I would rather, even though it broke my heart, I told myself I would rather lose my career, then lose that joy. And I, that, that joy was mm. slipping right away, like right between my fingers where I didn't even know if I could get it back, but I knew I had to try. And um, mm. so I decided to, to quit competition. And, and when I did, that was extremely hard. You know, I know when I give this advice, it just sounds like, oh, yeah, and then everything is great after that. I followed my heart, <sighs> but no, that's not how it went at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I quit competition I got criticized a lot. You know, I lost, um, I lost, uh, I lost some friends over this. I lost people who mm. believed in me, um, who kind of invested in like, in, in trying to help me and, and whatnot. And, um, I, I let a lot of people down and that's probably one of the worst feelings in the world for me. Um, I was told I was a waste of talent, you know, just all types of things that were so painful, but at the same time, they didn't even come close to the things that, you know, my own inner critics were telling myself because I had every mm. voice in my head just constantly beating me up. Like, what do you, you know, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing mm. this? And what are you going to be after this? Like, and I just felt mm. like, I just felt like I was failing at everything. And in a sense, I, I was, you know, I, I could not, um, I couldn't understand where to go next. I no longer was competing. I was so you know, kind of messed up in the head about that, that even when I went diving, I could feel that my own skills were slipping away from me because I wasn't really, I wasn't even present. I couldn't even tap into my instincts as much. Mm-hmm. And so, so everything just seemed to be validating that I was just the biggest loser. My relationship was absolutely falling apart. You know, it's everything I felt like it could be going wrong was. And everything that I once, mm-hmm. you know, cared about or that brought me happiness was now bringing me extreme pain. Um it was it was a long, bumpy road of of trying to figure it out. It took me um, probably about a year of being mm. being really depressed and um, and and not not being able to find my joy, even though I knew I was walking away from competition to tap back into it. It didn't just come back naturally. I really I really had to really had to work for it and. Um, and every time I went diving, you know, instead of having it be this beautiful place where I was absolutely present in my mind, 
Instead, it was like the moment I was underwater, it was the noisiest place because every, every, you know, demon or harsh voice or just inner Mm. critic, that was when they came out and just said what they had to say to me in my mind. And it became a torturous place to be so much Mm. that I'd often just like say, I can't do it. And I get out of the water and go home and just, you know, turn to other things, turn to to alcohol or whatnot or whatever I could to just numb my pain and nothing was working. Um, And finally, um, one day I was out with some of my friends who really were just trying to get me back in the water and they were just so concerned with me. And, um, And same thing happened. I was missing fish, not able to hold my breath like I normally can because I just couldn't relax. I couldn't get to my place of zen that I really have to be to perform on a single breath of air. Um, mm. And, if I'm and you, you prior, that, prior to this, you were able to hold your breath for about five minutes, right? Right. Yes, yes, yes. And, but when, when there's too much going on inside of me, and in order to hold my breath for that long, I really have to go so inward to this place of such serene peace where mm-hmm. it's an inward journey more than it is a truly physical one. We all actually mm. have the capability to hold our breath much longer than we think, but it's pushing past our own mental barriers that gets us mm. there. And, and so if you're not, um, if you're not, if you can't find that, that peaceful place within your mind, I don't think it's possible to do, to do any of it. Um, and so without it, I felt like I had lost my superpowers, really, you know, yeah. and, and, it, and, and, and it sucked. I mean, I also lost my sense of identity. I loved, you know, I, I did like being the little queen of this little world of spearfishing. And after feeling like I gave up that title and gave up that crown, you know, I didn't really know who I was. Um, uh. But there was just one day in the ocean where, you know, like I said, I just told my friends, I, I, this is not fun for me anymore. I'm going to go in. And, um, and I put my spear gun on my kayak and I was just about to get in and paddle in. And my friends were like, we'll come with you. It's okay. And I just told them, you know what? Do me one favor. Before we go in, I just want to take one last drop and just, just watch over me. And I don't even know what I was doing or why I wanted to take one last drop. I just felt the need to because maybe I didn't even know if it was going to be my last, you know. And, mm. and so I took a drop. I didn't bring my spear gun with me or anything, and it was a deeper drop at about 100 feet. And when I got to the bottom of the ocean, I just put my hands out in front of me, just like how I laid on my stomach, I crossed my arms over my head, put my face in the sand, and I just laid there. And and when I did, you know, the same thing happened where every single voice that just beat me up about how I failed at my relationship, how I failed at competing, how I failed at my career, how I let people down. Every single voice just came and just really hurt me. And mm. and instead of fighting back or instead of swimming back up, though, so I just listened and I just let them say what they had to say. And I just stayed mm. there and I told myself, I'm just going to wait it out and I'm not going up until you say everything you have to say to me. And, um, and finally, I don't know how long, you know, how much time passed, but the last voice came and the last voice went. And when it did, I just finally just felt this beautiful feeling of relief, just the, the mm. quiet, the quiet in my mind, the fact that I had just waited it out 
acknowledged what every single voice had to say to me and then let them go and just dismiss them. Let's let them go. And um, once I did that, I could hear the sound of the sand. I could hear the sound of the whales in the background. I could look up and I could see just this distorted, beautiful light shining from the surface and remembering that that was always my favorite part of diving was just feeling glimpses of the beautiful Mm. sun that just always seemed to just dance and call me home. And I saw my two dive partners and their silhouettes on the top watching over me. And I just felt the pressure of the ocean from that deep dive and how much it was squeezing me. And I could feel it like the big hug that I always felt like. And, and all of a sudden I could just feel these simple things again. And I knew in that moment that that's enough. As long as I can go diving and I can just feel this, you know, even if I never, you know, win another championship or if I'm not as good at shooting fish anymore, as long as I can just feel this connection in the Mm. ocean, that's enough for me. And I think I just felt like I had lost so much love for myself that just feeling like the ocean still loved me the same way it did since I was a little girl, Mm. that alone was enough for me. And so I, I swam back up to the surface that day and I didn't say one word to my dive partners, and they were kind of freaked out by how long I was down there, but I just looked at them, mm. and I smiled, and then they smiled, and, and I think we all knew from that day on that I was back, and, and I was. Mm. And, um, and so from there, it was just baby steps, and it was just me letting myself go in the ocean, whether or not I had a spear, whether or not you know I was going to go get dinner. I was just letting myself go in the ocean and appreciate those simple things, you know, and then I started fishing again, but just for food, not for competition, just to feed myself and those that I cared about. And, um, and, and my hunting skills came back and everything came back. And, um, and, and then once I had that back, then I asked myself, now, Kimmy, what do you want to do with this? What did you learn? What do you want to do with this? And I just knew I still wanted to travel. I still wanted to see the world. I just didn't want to see it through competition, you know, because I was missing out on the gold, the real gold. You know, I was getting the trophies, mm-hmm. but I was missing out on the culture, on the food, on the relationships, like on all of the things that make traveling, traveling to me. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's what I started doing. I started traveling to learn about other cultures and also to learn about ocean sustainability because I realized that that's where my heart was at. I had these questions in my mind. I wanted to know why the ocean looked different than it did when I was a kid, why the reefs weren't the same colors, why there weren't as many fish. And I wanted to know that what we can do as a community, you know, whether we're scientists or fishermen or consumers, what we can do to change that. And so I started traveling and meeting politicians from other nations, meeting scientists, conservationists, fishermen, and all asking them the same questions and and returning with these answers, you know, with these ideas and, and writing about them and blogging about them and writing articles about them just to anybody who wanted to listen, not because I ever would have dreamed that that could have become a career path for me, but because it was what I wanted to do. And, and so I still did my paintings. I did what I could to make just enough money to pay my rent and to go on these trips, and then I would just share it freely with the world because that's what was important to me. And Mm -hmm. to my surprise, I didn't end up um, throwing away a career at all. You know, with that, a a much better and more fitting career followed, and I didn't, you know, lose any chance of getting sponsored. In fact, I just got really good sponsors that cared about the same Mm -hmm. things that I cared about. And, um, and then before I knew it, there were other people on board that wanted to film what I was doing and document it and make, 
you know, shows like that National Geographic, Living Free. Um, and, and so if I hadn't gone through that hard, torturous year of soul-searching yeah. and questioning myself, I don't think I would have ever ended up with a path that feels so fitting now. And, and I have to still constantly remind myself that we're always evolving and we're always changing and so always check in, you know. Um, but that was, that was the journey it took me on. Well, you know, when I think about the inner critic and how much you started going through that while you were in competition and while you were winning in competition, and part of that was uh, comparing yourself to others, constant comparing yourself to others, and then comparing yourself to your last personal best. And, you know, I think a lot of athletes go through that at some point in their career. And, you know, it's it's really powerful what you said about, you know, finally inviting the voices in when you were laying at the bottom of the ocean and just saying, okay, you know, bring it on. And because it's, you know, up until that point, it's almost as if there's a fight, you know, you're pushing back hard because, you know, even though it's too painful, exactly. right? Right, yeah. and, right. And it's, it's almost like the power was in inviting them in and, you know, yeah. being able to live through it. Suddenly it's like, well, I did it. <laughs> I'm still here. Exactly. I'm alive, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that takes courage. Well, what do you tell people, you know, who, who probably aren't going to lay down at the bottom of the ocean? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's your advice to people about how they get back to that place or how they learn to recognize and stay in that place um, of that inner peace? How do people do that? I would just say that, um, I mean, I, I know it's going to be different for everyone, but you know, there's that saying where the only way out is through, and I think um, yeah. I think that's really true. Um, and so many times when it comes to to the painful things or to the scary things, it's so natural for us to just to just want to avoid it, you know. And mm-hmm. and I also think that there's one thing that I have um, also learned from being in the ocean and like when we talk about, you know, that great white shark that I had that experience with, um, you know, we we tend to tell ourselves on, you know, it's, it's fight or flight. Um, And one thing I've learned from even that great white shark experience is I don't think it always has to be fight or flight. Um, You know, I I think that there's no way I was going to try and fight that great white shark. And if I did, I don't think that would have ended well for me. Um, (laughs) And I also don't think that, that trying to flee, you know, that great white shark, I obviously couldn't outswim it. And if I started panicking and trying to run away, swim away, I don't think that would have ended well for me. And so instead, Mm. um, I connected with it, you know, and, and, and I, I listened to, you know, I mean, to, what she had to say through her body language and I still, but I held my ground, you know, I held my ground and, mm. and, and I showed what I had to say with my body language and, and then what turned, what went from the scariest moment, you know, became the most beautiful. And so I think it's the same thing with our inner critics and our fears is oftentimes we try to fight them, you know, yes. and, uh, or, yes. or we try, we try and hide from them. And, um, yes. and I think we need to just give ourselves a moment 
to to reevaluate and say maybe there's something else. You know, maybe maybe we don't just have to fight or flight. And and mm. and so I I think that like actually actually just being courageous enough to hold your ground and just say, you know, what do you have to say to me? And just mm. listen. And if it hurts, let it hurt. Just let it mm. hurt. Allow that. Have the capacity. I think that's what it is. I think that mm. that um, we we need to know that we have the power within our bodies, within our physical bodies, and within our emotional souls to to make more capacity when we need it. We don't have to fight mm. or fight. We can make more room. And so I think that as long as you can have the courage to open up just a little more capacity to hold the feelings that are going to emerge, that is how you get through it. And so if it mm. feels like this is way too painful, way too painful, way too painful, it's like, just stop. Don't panic. Mm. Don't run away. Don't fight grow, make that extra mm. space, make that capacity, you can make enough room to hold these feelings. And once you mm. actually hold them and you understand even that you've made that capacity for them. And I think once you actually realize that you can make the room for those feelings, uh, I mean, it takes courage because it takes vulnerability. But I think if mm. you can actually just know that by being that vulnerable to to hold these feelings that don't feel good, um, that that is strength. That's a whole different yeah. type of strength. That makes yeah. you more whole of a person, more beautiful of a person. And if you can just honor that and give yourself the compassion and the worthiness that you deserve for honoring that already, I think that's a step in the right direction. Mm. So moving past uh, our self-imposed limitations is is scary and exhilarating. And so we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more with Kimmy Werner. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is not static, it evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. 
The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. We are speaking today with Timmy Werner, who is a championship freediving sphere fisher and an artist and a keeper of the earth. That's what I like to call her. Um, And so, Kimmy, we've been talking a lot about courage and the courage it takes to push past your limits, push past your uh, fears. And, And when I hear you talk about it, it's different from what I often hear from people who are motivational speakers who, you know, want you to just like barrel through the, bar- the barriers and the boundaries and you can do it. And it feels to me like this is much more an embodied experience that you're talking about. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that the way you grew up and being connected to nature and the ocean, um, you had some natural experiences that taught you that you actually can go beyond what people say is the limit. And so I'm wondering, you know, how do people who don't have that kind of experience, how do they get there? I I mean, I think that we all can create those experiences within ourselves. I know that, um, yeah, for me, definitely, you know, the ocean is, is a place where I've always felt more comfortable than on land. And so, so I've, I've learned a lot from it, but, but I do think that, that every person, you know, has something within them that they can harness, you know, whatever, whatever their mm-hmm. passion is or whatever it is that they're doing, like I said, that makes them feel just a little more whole. And that there's lessons that we can take away from all of it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I just, I, I really think that, it, it does come down to just believing in yourself and, and believing in that innermost voice that <laughs> just constantly probably begging us half the time to listen, but just getting mm. so used to being dismissed. And I think the more that we tap into that and learn to connect to it, it doesn't, we don't have to dive to the bottom of the ocean or swim with sharks. Mm-hmm. We all can develop these instincts yeah. and this, this connection to our inner being and let it guide us a little more. So, you know, I think that um, uh, as an executive coach, I teach my clients who are CEOs and senior leaders and entrepreneurs, um, I teach them to find the quiet in their life. And, you know, they're not, they're not free diving. And so they aren't, they don't have an automatic, um, oh, you know, wow, here I am under the ocean. I can't really hear anything except maybe, um, you know, some fish that swims by. Um, and so it's almost as if you immediately touch that center of yourself. You immediately have access to that 
inner peace. And so when I teach them how to do this, it's a little bit like meditation. Some people really dive into meditation and they can get there that way. But even people who don't meditate and who have crazy schedules and, you know, just, um, you know, live the life that a lot of people live on the, on the you know, treadmill. Um, right. Even, even, yeah, even they can find that quiet. And, you know, my question to them is, where's the quiet in your life? And so, exactly. you know, I mean, I agree with you that people can find that in themselves and it takes a little different experience and it takes um, intention that it's possible. It's absolutely possible. So I want to ask you, um, you know, recently there has been the tragedy of uh, a school shooting in Florida and 17 people were killed and many more were injured and students who, high school students who were um, part of this, who experienced this and who were trying to hide from the gunmen and who some of them saw uh, their, some teachers and some of their friends shot and killed in front of them and certainly heard a lot of it. Um, And what's been fascinating to me about this is um, that terror that they experienced and that um, absolute angst and and tremendous fear, um, they have harnessed and are turning this into action to... Mm -hmm change the way we live and uh, deal with guns in our society. And they are so articulate and they are so determined. You can really feel their conviction and you can really see that courage in them. You know, I mean, I'm, how has this struck you as this has been going on? You know, what, what has it made you think about? Well, I just, uh, I think it's just proof that, you know, and I'm not saying we all have to go there in order to get this courage, but I do think that sometimes it really is hitting that rock bottom that mm. all of a sudden makes us develop a sense of courage that we never knew that we had before. And, um, mm. and, and you know, in, in the same way where I was on the bottom of the ocean or, you know, or even just like some of the most <clears throat> tragic things that I've ever, you know, seen happen in, in my life. Like, like I realized that it were, it was those moments that, um, that really taught me, you know, what's important. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. it, it takes, I shouldn't say it takes, but sometimes when tragedy does strike and it takes things from us and it tears our world apart and it turns everything upside down, you know, like something else can emerge from that. And, mm. and I think that sometimes when you have everything taken from you, it all of a sudden, you can't look at the world with the same eyes. You can't just glaze right. over the things that you used to, you know, dismiss or excuse. And, and you get this inner strength that just says no, you know. And I, I also mm. think that, um, that for a lot of those students, 
they probably also just realize the fragility of mortality. And, and, and mm. when you do realize that that's so, you know, close to your face, just, just understand that. I think it makes you a lot more aware of what you want to spend your life doing. Because, I mean, mm. I know, like, that, you know, when I, when I lost somebody tragically when I was in high school and um, it was a very upsetting thing, but at the same time, that was like, I, I was so young that I didn't even really, you know, think about those things that early mm. on at eight, in my age. But, but once I realized, like, wow, life can really be just taken from you. It really can just be that short. Like, it, it does make you reevaluate um, your own standards of living. And, and I just love that, um, that through this terrible tragedy that these kids have found an inner voice and they are not going to hold back from using it. You know, why would they? After everything they've yeah. been through, why would they? And so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just extremely proud of them. And I do think that that's um, going to be a big part of their healing is, is fighting this good fight to, to stand for what they now know is, is the right thing. Mm. And that it, I, I absolutely agree. And, um, you know, I, I can imagine that having someone like you talk to them or send them a message or, um, you know, give them some inspiration, um, I can see that being very powerful, very, very powerful. You know, it's like you don't have to have gone through their experience. Um, you have to, you only have to be able to um, be yourself because, Kimmy, you are such a powerful being on this planet. And, you know, somehow I can see you standing in front of them in um, mm-hmm. helping them, helping feed their, uh, re- their conviction and feed and nourish and nurture um, this new power that they found in themselves. And, yes. you know, they are, they are really getting um, a lot of pushback from a lot of people um, and a lot of support in, in a lot of arenas right. as well. And, but the pushback has been really um, cool and awful. And yet they are um, standing strong. And yeah. I can just see you being an important part of that. Well, thanks. I I I just I just um, blown away with um with how much they found their voices and with just how strong their voices are. And so um, mm. I've definitely gained a lot of inspiration from from following along on what they have to say. Oh yeah. Well, um, Kimmy, we have come toward the end of our show. I can't believe it's gone by so fast. Um, and I know people are going to want to know more about you. Um, do you have a website? I do. I have um, a personal website, which is just KimmyWerner.com. So it's K-I-M-I-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. And uh, I know that you have, in your desire to um, really... Stay connected to the earth and promote um, sustainability in all areas. You actually have some products that you've developed to to help make that happen. Tell us about that. 
I we my, a couple of friends um, of mine. We started this little company called Keep Wild, and so um, that website is keepwildco.com. And um, and it's just this little eco-conscious line of products that we feel either add more meaning to people's lives or also just, um, like you said, are good for our earth. And so it's everything from beautiful, reusable utensil kits to help refuse more single-use plastic um, to wooden goods that are made out of um, wood from branches of the tree that are still living mm. happily in Hawaii today. And just an assortment of, of random things that I know have added a lot more pleasure and value to my life, but it's done in a way that doesn't um, really support mass consumerism and actually mm. supports the artists and the craftsmen and women that are making mm. it the right way. I love that. So, Kimmy, we're going to have to have you back, and you're going to have to tell us um, more about the work you've been doing with scientists in, you know, really learning and finding ways to create sustainability and save our planet. So, you want to, will you come to. back? Oh, Definitely. Okay. I would absolutely love to. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. So thank you, Kimmy, for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to have you here and to share your inspiring story. And I can't wait till our next conversation. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's been an honor. And remember, everyone, to think big. The world can be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week.